Welcome to Our Shoreline, Your Horizon, a podcast by Dan Casey, featuring business and economic development news from St. Clair County, Michigan. Stretch your horizons in the beautiful shoreline communities of St. Clair County, home to one of the nation's busiest international border crossings. Learn more at edascc.com. Hello, I'm Dan Casey with the Economic Development Alliance of St. Clair County, Michigan. Thank you for tuning in to the EDA's Our Shoreline, Your Horizon podcast. We've got another great company in line to talk to and learn about today. I'd like to welcome today's special guest, Dan Shelton, who's the CEO of Maypal, which is located in Port Huron Township, although we generally say the Port Huron area. So Dan, Maypal is a privately owned German company. That's correct. Yep. And a world leader for special tools and high precision tooling solutions. And we're going to dive into that today a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask you to tell me a little bit about the products that you manufacture at your Port Huron facility, which I understand is also the headquarters in North America. That's right? correct. And ask you to share some details about the company's capabilities and customers that you serve. I want to hear about that. So why don't we start by having you tell me a little bit about yourself? How did you get into this industry and how long have you been in it? Sure. So I, I grew up in a small town in Ohio. And uh, when I went to university, I went to Ohio University, not Ohio State, I promise. The other Ohio uh, the University. The other Ohio right? University, the better one. Right. And uh, my degree is in industrial hygiene, and it has a lot of chemistry in it. So I ended up taking a sales role in Michigan to sell coolant, metalworking fluid. I knew nothing about sales. I didn't really even understand what it was. I knew I had a little bit of chemistry that I struggled with in school, and that's how it started. From there, I worked there a few years. I learned a, learned a ton off of a, a small company like that. And then I moved into uh, working for the Sandvik organization, which is a big Swedish company. Worked there for 20 years, different departments. Then three years ago, May of, I started here May of 2020 at, at Mapal Inc. And I'm the CEO of Mapal Inc., which is the Maple in the U.S. and Canada. So not not globally, that's Dr. Kress. He's the family owner. But I started here in May of 2020. When I walked in to the Port Huron facility, it was dark. And I thought, huh, what did I do? <laughs> but there, the HR person was there. The, some production people were, were in-house. And, uh, and it's been really, really, really good for the, the, the past three years. We've, we've done a lot. Okay, we're going to come back to that dark metaphor thing that you were talking about. <laughs> See what you did about that because that, you know, culture is super important these days, especially as we're competing for talent out there. So I did a little research on your company. So I got some idea of what you do. And of course, our, our organization has, has been working with your company for years yes. on different things. So why don't you just for the listeners at home, tell them what Maypal does. Okay. So globally, may, we should talk about how it's pronounced real quick. Let's do that. Because I will tell you, you, first, you can't pronounce it incorrectly because everybody always pronounces it incorrectly. And you might hear me say Maypal and you might hear me say Mapal. Uh, Maypal is an acronym, actually. It stands for Machine and Precision Tooling Allen, which is the town in Germany that it's at. So the pronunciation would be Mapal. But most people here say Maypal. And when they're sending purchase orders, they call us whatever they like. We're okay with that, too. <laughs> I have never heard the company names like that before. Yes. So no, it's fine. Ma, Ma Paul. Yeah. Yes. But, but it, like I said, it, it most people say Maypal in the U S yeah. and everyone is okay with that. Okay. Um, so we're a precision tooling company, obviously based out of Germany, privately owned by one family. 
the family started it in 1950, and and it's grown to we're in 43 countries now uh, locally here. And we 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 pre- make precision tooling mainly. It's grown up in the automotive industry, so everything from what's called actuated tools, uh, they're almost machines, all the way down to uh, a carbide drill and and everything in between. So it's a pretty broad based product categories that we that we serve the industry with. Locally here, the headquarters is Port Huron. We have another location in Fountain in South Carolina that also manufactures. In Port Huron, we focus on polycrystalline diamond tooling. It's called PCD. Mainly we use that for aluminum machining and the automotive industry. And uh, that's our our main focus in most of the business we do. A few years ago, we really started focusing also on the solid carbide side of the business and growing that as well. And those are the two areas that we really focus on in the United States when it comes to manufacturing. We sell all the products. We manufacture those two here so that we're close to the customers that we serve. I don't want to dwell on this too much, but your story about how, you know, Ma Paul came over to the U.S. market has played out many, many times with German companies, yep. right? They come over here, and I've worked with many of them over in my career, who have come over here, tried to establish a sales presence first, um, get their first customer, and then eventually it leads to a plant mm-hmm. being opened to produce parts mm-hmm. for those company. So my question, I get this must have been a pretty good location because you located here in 1977. You're still here. Yes. And the company has grown since then in South Carolina, you mentioned, for mm-hmm. example. So this has obviously been a good location for the company. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So we ended up here, we bought a company called Aero Carbide, which was located at the same site that we're at, and we just expanded on it. The way the success of, of Mopal in the United States really comes from Machine builders and what was the big three, right? The four at the time, Ford, Chrysler, General Motors, and there would be projects that would be sold, or or though they would buy a transfer line or machines from Germany, it would get tooled up in Germany and shipped here. Well, somehow you have to service the those tools. So rather than begin from a blank slate to try to try to build a sales organization from the bottom up, it really came from serving the tools and the customers that we have already sold. And, and then it became, as you grew and grew, it became very evident that you have to be able to repair those tools and, and retip and resharpen them locally if you want to keep and continue to grow the business. So Mapo in the U.S. was built on the, the automotive group and really the internal combustion engine and then expanding into the transmission side as well. And, and it's come uh, really full circle to continue to that growth over the years. Automotive is still our main industry that we serve today. And we're seeing a lot of changes happen in that industry with EVs yep. you know, coming online. So what is the company doing to continue to be competitive and also to compete in that, in that changing market? Yep. So we, thankfully for, for us, we were in tune pretty well with that market and what was happening. So we started developing tools for electric vehicles at a really early stage. And then understanding that manufacturing process and the volumes associated with it, and, and then building processes and solutions based around not just, not everybody makes, you know, 100,000 of these parts every, every other month. A lot of it is small production. So they can't afford this grandiose 
process that you need for to make the parts. They still need accuracy. So we've developed three different levels of tools based on the needs of the customer. They all produce close to the same components, but the volumes are different. So based on customer needs, then we present a solution that fits with the customer needs. Electrification creates a bit of a challenge for us. Being so heavily automotive focused in a combustion engine process, there's probably over right at 200 and some parts need to be machined. So we have a lot of opportunity. There's about 20 within electric. Right. Vehicle. Yeah. That's so. one of the big changes that's <laughs> yes. taking place, right? Yes. And a lot of suppliers are probably going to lose their, their customers because of just the far fewer parts in an EV. Absolutely. And you have, you have to be ready to adapt. And, and first, you have to accept that that's your fate, right? And, uh, and as a company, and then, and then say, okay, now here's where we're at. It's still a, a very vital business. I mean, we're not, although the only thing you hear is EV, there's still a lot of combustion engines manufactured. There's still projects going on. So, you, you know, you don't say, oh, they're changing and it's dropping run from that industry. No, we, we support that industry and we will continue to, to grow with automotive and serve the needs that they have. But you have to say, okay, I also have to protect myself with some other areas of growth to help stabilize the company. So we're going to change direction a little bit. You don't, uh, I think you don't succeed in this market unless you have great people. Correct. And I know from our many years of working with Ma Paul that your company's pretty innovative. You're willing to try things and you're, you're constantly out there working with managers on, on training them on how to deal with the, the, the employee base in a fair way to make sure they have the training, the skills they need and that they're supported. So talk a little bit about your workforce. So we have, uh, in Michigan, we have about 105 people in total that combines some administration, some production, and, and a sales force in, in Michigan. Total for the U.S., we're 185 to 190, depends on month, day, year. And what we have is a very technical workforce. It's an odd mix that you look for for kind of that perfect profile that, that you try to find, which is somebody that's got some engineering background, but also really good with their hands and, and is not afraid to get dirty because it's not always the cleanest industry in the world. And, and we found that. And we're, here we're partnered with the UAW in Port Huron, and, and they do a fantastic job. And to, together, you know, we develop and train our people on, uh, on the, the, the processes and new processes that come along. And it, it's been extremely successful. We've gone through some training now with the sales organization because of the changes in, in industry. Because if, you've, if you're really focused on automotive industries, you know, there's different needs in aerospace. There's different needs in fluid power, things of like that. So you have to really kind of retrain your sales force to not just look at, okay, it's find the customer need, but how do you solve that? So that's been a real transition for us as well. But our people are pretty flexible and, and they're all committed. And, and uh, we're, when it comes to that, I would say we've done a really good job. And on top of that, we've been really lucky to have good people that work hard. Yeah, the, the volumes are different in aerospace, for example, right? And so how do you go about making money in that industry when you're not making as many parts? Yeah. Well, maybe the parts are bigger. I don't know. Maybe that's why. If you, if you go on amount of material removed, there's probably more in aerospace because in automotive, you, you get a casting that is as near net shape as you can get. In aerospace, there's two, two businesses, basically. There's the assembly business, and then there's the, 
the well, three, the structural and then the engine. Historically, we've been in the assembly side. We're okay. in Europe. We are one of the largest suppliers to Airbus. So, and we also supply Boeing here in the in the U.S. on the assembly side. Now we're working into the landing gear and into uh, into some of the structural components. Completely different mindset, completely different processes, and you have to have people that know what they're doing because it doesn't matter what industry you go into. If you go in and you know nothing about it, the customer sees that immediately. That's absolutely correct. First, you have to understand the industry and what works and how do you make money in that industry That's too, right. right? Who's in it? Well, that's why we're here. I mean, we like to we like to to solve problems and and create stable processes for customers. But at the end of the day, everybody's in business to make money, unless you're a nonprofit. <laughs> right, right. So these days, you know, access to workforce is challenging across pretty much every sector yep. in North America and probably even globally. I would imagine. Yes. Um, right. So culture is becoming increasingly more important, and also making changes to like incentive programs that you offer mm -hmm. to your workforce, right? To entice them to, to, to stay, to grow, or to come there in the first place. Talk a little bit about the culture and what you've done over there to make changes so that's as, as good as it can be. So when you have uh, manufacturing and sales and administrative people, that, it's all a little mix of different cultures inside of a company. But right. I think the, the key to driving a culture that you, that you want, which is uh, an open, empowered culture. It's the way I, I see it is the make decisions where the information lies, right? That, that makes company faster. Uh, the key to it is really communication. And I, I told my HR director that uh, I, don't, I don't think it ever matters how many times you communicate. It's, it, no one's, people are going to say it's never enough. But you have to get in front of people and let, let everyone know what is the company doing and what direction are we going and why. And as long as you communicate open and honest and, and, and keep that information flowing, really everybody wants to have an impact on the success of the company and everybody wants to be involved in it. So if you let everyone know, here's where we're going and here's why, people want to do it. So then you end up with the culture that you really want, and that's everybody pushing towards one goal of, of a successful company. So to me, and, and culture takes a long, I mean, it takes a long time to go from one to the other, but you just stay consistent. And, and it, it, it's easy to say, but day-to-day -day can pull you in. And next thing you know, you're like, oh, yes, I haven't given an update in six months. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Luckily, I have people who will call me out on, on that and let me know that it's time to, to let everyone know what direction we're doing and what's going on. So culture for you, in part, is at least communicating with people. Earlier, you mentioned you have a great partner in the UAW. Yes. Right, so that that means communication is good there as well, right? Everybody's kind of working toward the same goal. Yes, and so this is going to put you on a path, right, for success going forward, despite the challenges and the changes taking place in some of the industries you're serving. But you feel like your company's in a great place, don't you? Yeah, I feel like we are, and and, and we are. You know, we've added a lot of new customers. We've expanded the the way we're going to market. It was always kind of been a direct sales company, so we really now are focused on growing through distribution. The United States is too big to try to hire salespeople to actually cover the whole United States. There's no way. Um, well, there's a way, but there's no economic way to do it. So you have to get partners to help cover the, the geography and, and the customer base. Uh, they, know, they know the local customer base. So we're developing that. 
it's helping us add, this year we've added 90 new customers. Now, not all of them will be end up being nice big customers, but you have to put them in the pot before you can see what ends up coming out as, as good. So we talk about that with, with our organization, and the needs of those customers are different than our traditional customers we've had. The speed is a little different when it comes to a quotation. It's not a, it's not a giant, you know, 100-item quotation. It might be three or four, but it, they need it tomorrow, not analyze it for a week, right? So we're positioned pretty well, and we're making changes in the company to make sure that we can serve different markets throughout the U.S. so that we grow in the future. Well, good luck to Ma Paul in the future, and thank you for coming on the podcast today and telling us, first of all, how to pronounce the company's name correctly, <laughs> but also about all the great things happening there. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Uh, just to wrap up today, I wanted to tell you a little bit about EDA's mission, which is to support and grow the region's economy, and it's made possible through the generous support of all of the different EDA members, including companies like Ma Paul. To learn more about living and working in our community, about local businesses in the region, or to view available sites and buildings in St. Clair County, Michigan, you can visit our website at edascc.com. I'm Dan Casey with the Economic Development Alliance, and I hope you'll join me again for the next Our Shoreline, Your Horizon, the podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening. To hear more, visit the podcast page at WGRT.com or find Our Shoreline, Your Horizon on your favorite podcast app.